Good morning everyone. This morning I'm going to be speaking to you about Jesus with Mary, Martha and Lazarus and our passage is from John chapter 11 verses 1 to 44. It's a, it's a long passage. I'm not going to read it all now but I would encourage you to do so um, later on today. But before we start let's just pray. Father I want to thank you for your word to us. I want to thank you Lord that you have something fresh to say to every single one of us this morning. And so, Lord, we invite you to speak to our hearts. We pray, Lord, that that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to us this morning, whether that's a challenge, whether that's encouragement. But come, Lord, now by your Holy Spirit and minister to us as we get into your word together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So let's read initially the first six verses of this passage. I'm going to read to you verses 1 to 6 from John chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I think if you're anything like me at first reading, this is quite a challenging passage. When I see something that needs to be done, I always want it done now. I'm a a completer finisher by nature. So I'm really not good at leaving things undone. Just ask anyone in my family, whether it's please could you help with the ironing or please could you do the washing up? And the same applies to, to things much less trivial. So when I ask for help in my head, that means please could you respond right now and not in half an hour's time, not tomorrow. So I can get grumpy and frustrated if things don't happen when I ask and I think it's far too easy to approach prayer in the same way. Many of us are not especially good at being patient when we pray. We're not especially good at waiting, especially when we see an urgent need. Of course sometimes the Lord does respond immediately. I prayed with my prayer triplet last week that the result of the COVID test I had to have would come through very soon. And you know, within two minutes of us praying, the result got texted to my phone. The Lord knew that we genuinely needed the result quickly. But that's definitely not always the case. And if I put myself in the shoes of Martha and Mary, sending word to Jesus that Lazarus is really sick and he doesn't come, That's really hard. 2,000 years later, after that happened, even just reading about the passage, even just reading that Jesus stayed where he was for two more days, in spite of the circumstances, really challenges my thinking. And it's easy to get stuck on verse 6. Verse 6, Jesus stayed where he was two more days. We want to ask why whenever we don't understand or we doubt that God will come through for us. However, the key thing here is holding on to the truth that in his sovereignty, the Lord does always have a plan and his plans for us are always good. 
whether or not they appear wrong to us, God always sees the bigger picture. Referring to Lazarus's sickness, Jesus actually states, no, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. I believe the response the Lord requires from our hearts is one which says, I trust you, Lord, rather than why. And I love this passage because I think the contrast between Mary and Martha's reaction actually illustrates this beautifully. If you look at verse 17, when Jesus does finally arrive in Bethany, we discover that Lazarus has already been dead for four days. And when he comes, Martha's reaction is to dialogue with Jesus. She comes and she tries to work it out. In many ways, it's a cerebral response. And of course, there are times when we need to do just that. But I do love how Mary comes to Jesus hurting, bereaved, not understanding at all. But she simply throws herself at his feet. In this moment, Jesus the person matters more to her, way more to her than her understanding. She loves him and she trusts him. And it got me thinking, I wonder how many times I put inquiry or explanation above adoration. How many times do I pray, Lord, but I don't understand. I want to understand. Please tell me. But I believe that what we see in Mary really does teach us what love is. It teaches us that the presence of the Lord is way more important than all the answers. We so easily and so often eclipse Jesus with the stuff we want from him, even if the stuff we want is simply an explanation. That's our control and it's also why it's so easy to miss him. Something takes place in worship and adoration that actually makes understanding not quite so important anymore. Mary's lovesick, bottom line. She's absolutely captivated by Jesus, regardless of her pain and the awfulness of her circumstances. I think it's, it's one of the enemy's great strategies to cause us to focus so much either on trying to fix things or to try and work it all out that we stop worshipping. And you know, it doesn't surprise me that our ability and opportunity to worship has been so contended during lockdown. Why? Because the enemy hates it when we worship. Worship changes the atmosphere. Worship adjusts our perspective. Worship itself can be warfare. And worship sets the spiritual temperature. And as I've had opportunities to worship with other Christians at work over the last few days and weeks, I've realised even more how vital it is that we never stop worshipping. And what's happened in me is I have a new and an immense sense of gratitude for both the opportunity to worship and the impact that worship and adoration have. 
it's made me realise how much I have missed times of corporate worship, especially at the beginning of lockdown. I didn't realise at the time, but it's so, so vital. And so if the enemy has made you fearful to worship in this season, because you think singing is dangerous or that it's against the law, whatever it is, recognise the strategy and the robbery. Repent of the fear and consciously and deliberately come back. God's word commands us to worship. So when the Lord tells us not to fear, it means there is grace to be victorious. I promise you, this is what you have been designed for. As well as learning from Mary's reaction in this passage, what is beautiful about this account of Mary and Martha is also how it demonstrates so clearly that Jesus both knows and cares so deeply about how we're feeling. In, in verse 25, Jesus reminds Martha that he is the resurrection and the life and that in him we have eternal life. That, that simple statement is the source of joy to our hearts. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Yet even so, when Jesus encounters Mary and sees her grief at her loss, he too was moved to tears and he weeps with her. How incredibly beautiful is that tiny little verse, Jesus wept. Jesus feels our pain. He knows our losses intimately. His emotions, we can see here, his emotions are utterly authentic and real. And he's with us in ours. It's beautiful. In Jesus, we have a saviour, a brother, a friend and a comforter who absolutely identifies it identifies with us no matter what we're going through wherever you're at right now whatever it is that is causing you anguish or pain or sorrow or joy you're not alone not ever if you need to I would really encourage you please take some time after this service is finished or later on today to simply sit with Jesus and the beauty of that is you don't need to explain anything to him. He already knows. And just as we share our hearts with him, he longs to share his heart with us. We all need to take time to simply be with the Lord and to enjoy that intimacy which restores our souls and which brings joy to him. So let's choose to be like Mary and fall at his feet and then choose to stay there. There is no better place. The final seven verses in this account take us to the place of victory. I'm just going to read from verse 38 onwards. It says this, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, 
for he's been there four days. That's Martha still trying to fix things. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What an extraordinary account. Jesus is faithful and he comes through on his promises. This was his plan. This is the bigger picture again. The, the raising of Lazarus gives glory to God and is a testimony that many others may come to faith. As I was reading this, I was reminded of those verses that we know so well from John 14, verse 12. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We've looked at those verses so many times in the past but I think we need to be reminded of them. When we pray, we are praying to a God who is faithful who loves us and who has given us victory. And that means that we too can pray with assurance and conviction. The reality is that what Jesus was able to accomplish in his humanity is also available to us, the church, to accomplish. Our call when we pray is not to get more, more muscular about praying. It's never about human effort, but it's allowing God's word, his promises to live in us. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. When the word of God is in us, living in us, our expectation comes alive. It gives joy, it enables us to hope. This is an enormous reality. I, I truly believe that over, over the last few years, as a fellowship, we've been on a journey where we've been recovering the supernatural mindset that God wants us to have, a mindset that seeks to really lay hold of the invisible and supernatural resources of heaven that are ours now and to bring them into the natural realm. Faith is not just believing the truth, but agreeing with it, living it, declaring it. And I think that over the course of this pandemic, this has been enormously challenged. I think now is the time for us to say, 
to the Lord, show us, show us what has been locked down in us during this lockdown period that shouldn't 